Welcome back to another edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. We got a lot to get into. NBA playoff review. Yes, the conference finals are set. The Celtics put an Old Testament, old biblical style butt whipping on the 76ers. Jason Tatum with a performance for the ages. We'll get into it. Another highly decorated NBA coach giving his walking papers. We'll get into that as well. And John Morant feels like Groundhog Day. Once again, suspended. We'll get into it and talk about it. Uh, we'll also get into Dan Quinn clarifying the comments that one Michael Parsons said right here in the ATX about his uh, position status. We'll also get into uh, the Cowboys, whether they should be pursuing a potential running back on the trade market. CeeDee Lamb putting the expectations of the Dallas Cowboys offense through the roof. We'll get into that too. Also, we'll talk about some uh, Texans as well. We'll get into some of the undrafted free agents for the Texans and for the Cowboys. Before we do, let's introduce you to the rest of the crew. My man Harge is out today, but you can cyberstalk him. We'll give you some details on that a little bit later on. But my man, of course, who always is manning the ship. He's one of the hardest working members of the ARN family. He's got a hustle spirit, period. We don't know what he's paid. We do know that he's underpaid. It is Patrick Davis, y'all. What's going on, Patrick? Doing good, doing good. Yeah, how was your weekend, man? It was good. Got to see the mom on Sunday. So uh, hanging out with some friends this weekend. Saw saw some uh, some kids I've known for a long time playing a band. It was very cool to watch uh, to watch that show. Yeah. So it was a good weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to see you. I'm glad you got the chance to uh, hang out with mom, get some quality time with mom. Hope everybody had a great Mother's Day weekend. It was all about the moms this weekend. So I hope everybody enjoyed the Mother's Day weekend. Uh, you also can hit us up on the spec text line. You're the heartbeat of this thing. You're the post of it. 512-337-3776. You also can hit us up via Twitter. My man Harge, he's out today, but he'll be back tomorrow. So don't even worry about it. Just had to take a day to do some personal stuff. But you can hit him up via Twitter at Hardball Harge. You can hit my man Patrick Davis up at It's Patrick Davis, and I'm at Rod Bavers in the Twitterverse. All right, uh, the NBA, uh, man, it just... The headlines from the NBA during the playoffs, like I said, they always give you a little little salacious headline along with the actual meat and potatoes of the playoffs. You'll always get a little something else to talk about. Unfortunately, that's John Moran again. So we'll get to that because, uh, oh, man, I can't believe he did it. I can't believe it. I, really, I, I, it's, it really does kind of, uh, I mean... It, it's stupefying. It is just stupefying. I can't believe it's almost like somebody is writing this. It's, it's crazy. Cannot believe he got caught with a gun again, just flashing it and brandishing it. And we'll it's talk not, about it, it. It's not getting caught. Well, it is on showing vi- off a gun on, <laughs> on public social, social media. media. <laughs> and there's a difference of someone else put the picture up and was like, uh, oh, look, John Morant's out at this club with a gun. And, That's uh, one thing. But to, to be like, hey, there's a lot of scrutiny going on. I bet they don't check my Instagram stories. No one's going to see this. It's like, bro, you right, right now, everybody is waiting on you, especially the media, waiting on you to make another mistake. And they did. And you, well, no, we'll get into the details of it. But his friend, who has also been involved with a lot of this, a lot of these, uh, I don't know, duplicitous deeds, some of these off the court, uh, very controversial uh, incidents, which I, he was the one, I, it was the, I think it was his Instagram. Alive as well. Oh, so, I, so he's he's the great friend who. Well, he you can tell he try he doesn't know. I don't think he knows that he's gonna pull the gun yeah. out in the passenger seat because it, it looks like he's in the driver's seat and it looks like Josh in the passenger seat and they're they're, they're it's a hype video. It's a hype. I don't even know. I gotta go listen to the song. I don't even know what song was on in the background. They're hype. It basically kind of making an Instagram live hype video yeah. and then he's talking his friend and then. As his friend turns the camera from himself, kind of to the rest of the crew, then you see Ja quickly 
brandishing the gun. And then you can see him flip it, flip the camera. Like, oh, no, yeah. oh, no, 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 I don't want to show that. And I get, cause I, I, I believe he's probably thinking, Josh's not going to pull out the gun. He ain't going to yeah. pull it out here. He's he not that dumb. Pull out. <laughs> exactly. My friend's not that dumb. He already knows that he's got, you know, some, uh, he's got, he's got a lot of spotlight on him, the negative kind, because of previous incidents involving a firearm. So there was no way he was just going to pull it out again. No, he pulled it out again. No. Hey, Remember you know we, what? Did, we did this whole sham of a counseling and therapy mm-hmm. that we did last year for eight days. And everybody said, oh, that was enough because clearly he's a changed man. And then he looks like he's the exact same person right after man uh yeah no he's yeah you know what we'll get into because it's a deeper discussion now because now it's become politicized yeah is because it, that's how you know it's it's officially going from the sports page yep. to the front page because now it's officially politicized. Now people are taking sides politically, and yeah, I wouldn't doubt the NRA gets involved in this thing and starts <laughs> defending John Red. He can brandish a gun whenever he wants to. Y'all leave him alone because it's it's heading down that path. All right, let's uh, let's get into the actual NBA playoffs here and talk about the Celtics. So they gave us a ton to talk about because man, the one twelve eighty eight beat down they put on the seventy. And we'll hear from Joel Embiid uh, a little bit later on here in this segment uh, because his I don't know his his comments have become a little bit controversial um, after the game. But Jason Tatum is where it starts and ends in this uh, game seven narrative. I mean, he was sensational. He had 51 points, which is the most ever in a game seven. So he made NBA history. He now belongs to the ages. <laughs> right. By the way, that was right. I mean, Steph Curry had that record for how long? I mean, a couple of weeks. Yeah, <laughs> for a couple of weeks. <laughs> a couple of weeks, something like that. That's yeah. So uh, that's the NBA that we're living in right now. But uh, actually, Jason, here's to me where it really got crazy, Patrick, because I want to get your thoughts on it. He had 25 in the first half, but in the first half, it was still a game. I believe the Celtics took just a three point lead in the first into the uh, in the first half and took it into halftime. And at one point, the Celtics led by nine points in the second quarter. I remember then I was thinking, oh yeah. man, so this is gonna turn out to be a really good game seven. And, man, when they started the third quarter, first possession for the 76ers, Tobias Harris hits a three-pointer that ties it up. And you're thinking, all right, adjustments made, man. It's going to be really competitive. And this is when the fit hit the shan because <laughs> when they're tied up, then the Celtics scored 24 points on 13 possessions, shooting six of seven from three-point range. They held the 76ers at, to, in a stretch to one field goal on seven on their next 17 possessions and they went 6-23 without a without a point actually went scoreless for six and a half minutes so from the from 35 seconds into the third quarter of, of the game all right basically the game was tied and with 35 seconds left in the third quarter the Celtics were up by 28 points it was. It's one of those things of like with great shooters and great scorers, you don't want to let them get on a roll. And this was an epic roll. This you 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 fell into it where they got hot, and then the Seventy Sixers. This is, I mean, this is part of Doc Rivers' legacy, is not being able to get his team ready and up for a game seven, trying to have this champions mindset without having the the dog of the champions mindset. Where it's it's like, hey man, you want to treat every game and play every game like it's the game seven. Then you have to go into game seven and go, hey, forget I said that. This is a game seven. <laughs> you have to play way harder today than you have played. And I don't think he ever gets them to play harder. They just kind of played the same way they've been playing all series. And we saw Boston in that second half, whatever happened at halftime, man, came out and and realized. Hey man, we're going to be an embarrassment, and one one of these teams is going to walk out of here 
having to answer a lot of questions they don't want to answer. Let's not have it be us right now. Uh, yeah, we don't want to have the awkward conversation. Yeah. Because uh, that's what 76 was having that awkward conversation right now. And we'll talk about it. Uh, as a result of that, oftentimes the NBA, the, the head coach in that situation and the NBA culture, their job's on the line. <laughs> or they're on the hot seat immediately. Yeah. But uh, getting back to it, because we'll get to that too, it, Jason Tatum, uh, what he did, first of all, he had that, that fourth quarter, that epic fourth quarter in game six. Right? Yes. Was that 24? What he, what he scored that? 21, 20, I think? 21, something, something like that. that. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, it, was, it, was a great, it was one of the greatest fourth quarters we've seen in playoff history. I'll go back to my notes and get exactly uh, the, the point total. But he basically, from that point on and throughout the rest of Game 7, I mean, he, met, he, he played like the best player in the league. <laughs> like, that, 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 yeah. that's just where he did that. He, uh, you know, he said that he's one of the best basketball players on the planet. There's no doubt about that. He did make first team All NBA, but 17 of the Celtics' 33 points in that third quarter were scored by Jason Tatum, who had has scored 25 in the first half already. So he he already carried the team in the first half, and then decided in the third quarter, you know what, I'm done. I'm, <laughs> I'm about to put it. I'm about to put Just it away. Put this one away. I'm about to put him away. And he put he put him away in the third quarter. It was he. he and this is the beauty of because you can tell that he's got. He's got that it quality. He's got some he, – he, he looks like he's got some championship DNA. I'm not saying he's going to win a championship, but he struggled early on in this entire series. I think he shot 42% in the first six games, Patrick. And then we just talked about that fourth quarter he had in game six. But for him to fight through that mentally to be able to overcome that, you know, that, that difficulty, and I'm sure it was a lot of critical conversation about his performance – and then to come back and play the way he did in Game 7 just shows you that, yeah, I mean, t- Jason Tatum made me a believer. Yeah, he had 16 in that Game 6. 16. Uh, 16, sorry, 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 and uh, the 76ers saying. had 13 in the fourth quarter in okay. that game as well. Thank so he outscored that. the 76ers 16-13 to 13 yes. okay. in that Thank fourth you. quarter. <laughs> and he only had 19 points in the whole game. So basically he struggled mightily that entire, entire game, game and then came out in the fourth quarter and put yes. up 16 of his 19. This game he came out firing, and he's one of those guys, like Devin Booker, we'll talk about him in a minute, but – He's one of those guys that is one of those Kobe mm-hmm. disciples. Like he's a guy that says he that's who he wants to be, and that Mamba mentality, and that's when you have to have it. And it's he just didn't not seem to have it going into it. He wasn't having a great game. The you know your chin, your head's pointed down, your shoulders are down, and you're still trying to play, but you don't have the confidence you need to play to be a elite scorer. Yep, he got it. Hit a couple shots in that fourth quarter, picked his head back up, and never looked back. It was, uh, yeah, it, like I said, it was a performance for the ages. Uh, obviously, he has the all-time uh, scoring record for uh, points in a Game 7 with 51. Let's flip to the other side of things because, uh, like you just talked about, Patrick, the awkward conversation is happening now with the 76ers. By now, everybody's heard the 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 numbers, but I'll give them to you again in case you haven't. Doc Rivers now has lost the last five Game 7s and that he's coached in. And he is now uh, six and ten. He has a six and ten record in game sevens. His ten losses in game sevens are the most for any coach in NBA history. He is seventeen and thirty three all time in series clinching situations. Uh, the situation to close out uh, an opponent in a playoff series. Those thirty three losses are the most 
in NBA history for any coach in a uh, series clinching situations. And he has the most blown series leads <laughs> in NBA history. This is basically one of those those stats that it is a stat that shows your ability to get that far. Yeah. Because, like I said, he has the most blown series leads, too. It just seems like his teams, although they – you know, they are playoff teams. These are playoff stats we're talking about, so he's not some scrub of a coach, not by any means. But it 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 they peak too soon. Well and right? it seems peak too soon and this is it's pretty obvious the numbers don't lie. No, and I mean he's getting Joel Embiid was now starting to get the <laughs> reputation of a, a playoff underperformer. He had notorious playoff underperformers, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul in LA. That Chris Paul his entire career has been a playoff underperformer. And it's that the question, it's that chicken or the egg. Is, are these guys always playoff underperformers because they are just that way? And Doc Rivers has just happened to be on teams with guys who just don't care to play at a higher level in the playoffs? Or can Doc Rivers not motivate people to get there? And the team he did win with a lot was Boston, which you had a Kevin Garnett and a Paul Pierce yeah. and a Ray Allen. Built in internal motivation intrinsically. Yeah. You had a bunch team. of guys yeah. that were like, we yeah, have yeah. to win a title this year. Yeah. Like, this is our last shot. Legacy's we got to on the line kind of stuff. So yeah. so it was a little bit different that I don't think the coaching had to do too much. Chemistry chemistry's big, man. You can't. It is. <laughs> and so it is a chicken of the egg. Is, is it Doc Rivers that he just really cannot get these guys to get over the edge? I mean, there's a certain part of it that you'd like to think you can get anyone, a great coach can get anyone over the edge, right? Yes, that's the point of being a great coach. Yeah, is that you can pull, you can extract that greatness out of that person, and what by because you're a teacher. Yeah, essentially a coach, you're a teacher, and as teachers, I'm an education major. God bless all the teachers out there. Y'all should be paid more. Uh, all the teachers out there, they know every student learns differently. Yeah, every student's gonna ex- excel. It's gonna be a different path to their to their you know excellence and to their greatness. And you got to figure out what that is. Then you got to kind of help lead them that way. And great coaches can figure it out. And, you know, and good coaches are above average coaches oftentimes cannot. No, and I mean, we saw in this, it's, you know, Joel Embiid had some some dumb comments afterwards. But at the same point, he's, he's like, it's a team, it's five people. You're like, Maxie played better than James Harden in this series. Maxie played as well as you in a lot of this series. So if you're going to name two names, you have to put Maxie on there because he was at least trying this whole series. Whereas if you guys got down a little bit, Maybe maybe the effort wasn't as much. We I, we saw a lot of Joel Embiid this off this playoffs doing the fall on the floor routine, yeah. where it's like, man, you're seven feet tall. You can't keep going to the ground that many times, because even if you're just you know trying to sell it or whatever else, that getting back up and everything it just takes too much out of you. That to continually bump with somebody and you go down, either you're faking it and that's a dumb idea. Or you really need to work on your balance in the offseason and you need to work on taking bumps in the post and you need to change your practice regimen because you just can't go in in a playoff series against people who want it and not think that they're going to try and knock you down. Yeah, no, you're right. It's And we'll get those comments because uh, Patrick has the audio of Joel and B. And I, I I don't, I wasn't that critical. You know what? Since we're talking about it, we might as well just hear him. Uh, I, I, don't, I didn't feel um, that. They to me, I didn't find that much of an issue with them. I understand why people took offense with the comments, but I didn't. Here is Joel Embiid in the post game um, with the comments that you know you can't do it alone. Uh, we got the chance to win, but you know it's going to take you know more than us. Uh, we all got to look at ourselves. Uh, 
I, I got to be better and I will be better. Uh, that's what I'm focused on. Um, you know, all of us, uh, we got to, you know, come back and uh, find ways uh, to just keep improving and, you know, help the team. Uh, you can't win alone. Uh, I can't win alone. I can't. Me and James, we just can't win alone. You know, that's why basketball is played five on five. So, you know, we just need everybody to just, you know, try to keep finding ways to get better and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be fine. Okay, so this is why I don't have a big issue with it. Now I want to hear why, because I know you're probably more critical of the comments than I am. I don't know, and I, you watch a lot more NBA than me, so you actually may be able to answer this question. I don't know how often Joel Embiid is a me and a we guy. And what I mean by that is how often, how often he references in the post games and even in the pregames, whenever he's talking about his team, me and we. If every time they win, he's a me guy, and every time they lose, he's a we guy, we got a problem. If every time they win, he's a we guy, and when they lose, he's a me guy, then we're good. Because if you're a superstar, you take that burden. Right? That's, what you, yeah. you, that's, that's the rule. Win, if you're a superstar, win, hey, that was we, baby. All of us, baby, we doing yeah. it big. We lose, that's on me. I got to do better. I got to do better. And that's the dog mentality as well we talk about. Because you're a dog, it's, it's you know, I, I don't necessarily need all the credit. I just, you know what I mean, I just need to my team to be able to win. Like that's, and if it takes sometimes me taking over to do that, then hell, I'll do that. And if I got to punk somebody to do it, I'll do it. If I got to yell at somebody to do it, if I got to dog cuss my teammate to do it, I'll do it. Because winning, for me, that's the, that is the ultimate prize when you got that dog mentality, the competitive sickness. And that's why people, I think, may be upset because maybe this question is whether he has the competitive sickness or not because he's referencing, he's referencing them losing and it's referencing we. And when you lose as a superstar, you should be talking about me. You know what? Yeah, I didn't do enough. I got to do more. I mean, when you score with James Harden a combined 24 points in a game seven, in a game seven, you suck. You (laughs) suck in a game seven. And your running buddy sucks in a game seven. You can't walk up and blame the team. There's no blaming the team when you go, well, I'm a superstar. I'm the league's MVP. And I was the third highest score, what, third highest score in that game for my team? Third? Yeah. Two other guys were making less money than me? Yeah. Two guys that get no, like, credit? Tobias Harris. 19, in a game 14. seven? Yeah. That means you sucked. You have to take that. And you can go, we need to get better. We need to get better. No. Nope. You, you would say, hey, man, I suck tonight. <laughs> take that one on me. Philadelphia, my fault. And I'm going to come back. And what? I'm going to come back. And I, the fire in me will fight. But no, he's like, man, man, it takes five. And you're like, dude, you guys were the weak link? Mm-hmm. Y'all went, what, a combined eight for 29 in that game? Brutal. And, oh, the rest of the team. It takes five on five. Yeah. Are you saying without you? They that, went two and, the went two and zero without him. They went two and zero without him. <laughs> that's the thing is he just didn't want it. He didn't seem to show up in this playoffs, and he can go. We need more players. And man, and this is if we live in a world where LeBron James gets gets hate for this, then this is nuclear, right? Because he says <laughs> it's me and James Harden, two MVPs. And you know what? We need like four or five more MVPs to compete. <laughs> that's 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 probably the best point anybody has made about this situation or those comments. Like, how do you how do you yeah. get out of that? Hey man, if we hey man, if we just had Kevin Durant, and man, if we could have got Kyrie Irving in too, and then maybe if we could have got like Bam Adebayo, we could have had a good season. But <laughs> no, nah, I don't know. It's it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous because uh, look at the Miami Heat. I mean, what they're doing. And I get you don't want to answer questions right after that. But that's, I think, the problem is 
the competitive fire in Joe. We know he's worked so hard to get where he's at. But when you walk out and your initial reaction to that game where you sucked and you know you did because you got destroyed and you missed a bunch of shots in the game. When you have when your reaction after that is, boy, my team let me down, then everyone goes, cool. No, we don't like you anymore. Because we just saw Jokic yelling at his team to that, hey, man, there's two of them left. We need to go dominate this game. Then they went and dominated, and he dominated. Dog. And he went, because <laughs> that's one of Jokic's criticisms for years was that he wasn't that guy. That he was the guy that when the going got tough, he kind of sat on the bench by himself, and he wasn't on his team. And, he, and he's worked on it. And that was, you saw it in that game where he said, there's two of them. We're playing against two of them. Let's go get them. And they steamrolled him the rest of the game. That's the difference. Joel Embiid went, hey, man, Jason Tatum's having a good game. Y'all better guard him better. Hey, hey, look out there. Look, Jalen Brown's starting to get going. Y'all better guard him too. Hey, man, where are they driving the paint? Are you not going to? Well, I got to stay on my guy. I can't, can't block every shot, you know. <laughs> well, are you going to score some for us? Well, yeah, with their guard, they're doubling down on me. You guys. I mean, P.J. Tucker at three threes in this game. He's been a non-factor most of these playoffs. Excuses is what it sounds like. It's terrible. No, I'm with you. No, I, I, as I said, I understand why people have an issue with it. But you're right. He, if you're a su- true superstar in those moments, is you can just be as blunt as Patrick said and just say I suck. But you, you definitely, he, you definitely point the finger back at yourself. He like, campaigned. Hey, it's on me for the last three years that it was embarrassing that he didn't get the MVP. For the last three years, he has campaigned actively. Him, Doc Rivers. That it is a shame and it is a travesty that he was not the MVP and he cried when he got it this year and then he stopped playing basketball. And 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 Jokic basically uh, <laughs> he wanted to tell let everybody know that hey you know what that's yeah. I should have won it again. Hey and you know I, what Denver and should, I didn't make first team All NBA yeah. either. <laughs> and Denver should thank their lucky stars that he didn't because I said it before it's the series when the Spurs were playing the the Rockets. I remember and, and David Robinson won the MVP. And Akeem turned to Robert Ory and said, they're giving him my trophy in front of me. Mm-hmm. And Akeem Olajuwon went to win a finals that year. Yeah. And, and that's that's what you see, is you see that from Jokic right now is, oh, you don't think I'm the best anymore? Well, Giannis, how, how did he do? Yeah. Uh, B was, I'll tell you what, they can come, I'll give him tickets. Like, they can come watch a real MVP. Like, guys, that talented, you just gave him even more motivation. I call yeah. it I call it motivational currency. You spend it when you want to. But it's, I tell Longhorn fans the same thing. I when Lo, when Longhorn fans talk about Vy, I said you can't get the the Heisman Trophy and the national title. I think Vy was so upset about not getting the Heisman yeah. Trophy. He himself was on exactly. a mission. He was uh, he was uh, he felt offended by it, and all the greats should be offended by it. What are you going to do with it? And I'm with you, man. It uh, the Joker. He's he's in beast mode at this point. Uh, okay, but getting back to Joel Embiid, let me throw this out there. It's a nice little stat. Uh, he averaged 33 points per game in the regular season. Um, 23.7 in the playoffs, uh, and it was actually 33.1, I think, points per game in the regular season. That 9.4 difference, um, I see drop in points per game, is the largest by that year's MVP in NBA history. I've long had, you know, I had a take a long time ago when Derrick Rose first won his MVP award. Because I didn't, I, I, I wasn't. I didn't, didn't like Derrick Rose. I like Derrick Rose. I just didn't think he was gonna end up having a great career. And I said he's the most. He's gonna be the most overrated MVP in NBA history. You, you watch. I, I'm very close to that being the case because <laughs> there haven't been a lot of MVPs that are gonna end up having a a career that doesn't meet Hall of Fame worthy uh, accolades yeah. and honors. And he's not gonna get there. 
right? Derrick Rose has no shot to make it the No, NBA no, and I mean, his, his is injury-based, too. Because if, if he didn't have the but, injury, it would have been different, I said, but it's I also said it because not. of the injury. I said you watch him play. Yeah, yeah. It's the same way John Morant plays right now. Yeah, yeah. John Morant ain't going to make it that long either if he yeah. continues to play like this. And I'm not talking about off the court, but the way he plays on the court. Yeah. He's reckless. You know, they just they play with a reckless abandon. It's fun to watch. It's like watching a quarterback, though, that runs with a reckless abandon. Sooner or later, it's going to come back to hunt him. you got to evolve your game. And But anyway, getting back to it, I did say he's going to end up being the most overrated MVP in history. Is, would Joel Embiid jump into that conversation? Not not yet, because he's, again, he had he's had three MVP caliber years already. Yes. So we can put him in that. Now, if we want to say injury threat, we do know he missed some years at the beginning of his career due to injury. That was also partially because of the tanking that Philadelphia was doing, so they were giving him more time to— The process. The process. So, yes. so the there process. is all of that. So there is always the worry— that when we see stuff like we saw in the playoffs where he's falling down all the time, and then I told you he was going to miss a game uh, because you just said he just fell down to you. He was limping by the end of that game. And whether you want to or not, I, I'm telling you he's the type of guy who's going to miss a game. And he did. So I think there is I think there is a little bit of worry that, hey, he may not ever live up to what we thought he could be. I don't think – I mean, I have to look through every single MVP and see. I'm sure there's some others that had less than stellar careers and shorter careers – as long as he keeps playing, he'll continue to be a good regular season player. He just has to now realize, all right, I set the MVP. What's my next goal? He is a driven guy. He is a guy who's worked very hard to get where he's at. So you just have to change what your goals are and realize, oh, I, I reached that milestone. I can't use that as, uh, as currency anymore. I have to now set my goal as being a elite player in the playoffs. I have to set my goal to be an elite player as a leader. And I have to set my goal this and that. And that's where he has to go to now. The question is, can he figure out how to do that? Can he make those steps? And can he get the help from Doc Rivers or whoever will be the future coach of the 76ers That's a good to question. get him to that point? Yeah, is Doc Rivers going to keep his job? Because to me, right now, you know, once if something happens once, you can consider an outlier and just kind of dismiss it, disregard it. Uh, twice, coincidence, whether you believe in it or not. Three times, that's right. You're talking about uh, a pattern. Four yep. times, a trend. Five times, that's usually character. That's pretty much who you are. That's what you are. Uh, this is what Doc Rivers is. That's no, no, and if we say the one, <laughs> and, and the one not- time that breaks the trend is Kevin Garnett, one of the <laughs> most intense people to <laughs> yeah. ever play any sport. That's true. Yeah. You want to go, hey, so maybe for a thing is Doc Rivers is not intense enough of a guy to get guys into the right mode and get and work with guys and get them to play better and put them in there. Kevin Garnett is. Could it be also that, you know, you know, my, my biggest criticism of Sark is that, you know, I need him to become a chess master. I need him to win yeah. the chess match within the game. Essentially, a seri- NBA playoff series, you know, it's not like a four-quarter football game. I mean, you got seven games of it, but there are adjustments that are made throughout going yeah. back and forth. Is it just maybe that he's not great at, at coming up with the counters or being able to anticipate the adjustments? Once the adjustments are made, he doesn't have more creative uh, you know, I would say counters to those are adjustments on top of adjustments. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes into being star reliant to a certain extent. True. Of if you are a star reliant team and a star reliant coach, that there's not a lot you can change because the rest of the guys, there isn't. It's not like, hey, I need you to be a thirty point guy tonight, Maxie's like, did you haven't like you've underused me all season? Now you expect me to just be ready to go and play? You you in practice, it's all about hard and 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 Embiid. But that's the way this seventy sixers team was set up. Is you needed. Everyone else play really, really good defense. You need everybody else to contribute and hit open shots. But if you're going to have guys control the ball, 
it's going to be Embiid and Harden. Those two guys are going to be the guys who control the pace of the game. And so when you try and switch that up, you can't really – and if you do that, then Harden and Embiid check, yeah. really check out of the game. And so you get 20-point games from them or 15-point games from them. Yeah, the James Harden I'm disappointment. Trust me, I'm a former Rocket. I mean, I'm a former Rockets. I'm a Rockets fan. He's a former Rocket, so uh, I understand it. It that also tracks, and as Father Time <laughs> starts to win uh, his or her fair share of it, I do think that um, for James Harden, you know, it's only. I think you'll see less and less of the old vintage James Harden that we saw a few times actually uh, in this playoff series. We saw it a couple of times. You're just not going to see that very often. And I was surprised that they got as much of the old James Harden as they did. And when when Embiid was out, then it was, okay, now I get the ball in my hands all the time. Okay, well, this is fun for me. But if I got to pass, and if I like, if I, if I got to run down the court and then move without the ball, I'm not moving without the ball. I know. I'm going to sit in a corner and wait until you call my name, and then I'll come back out and get it. I'll play ISO. I know people – I will say this about James Harden <laughs> – People hate his game. Like, just his it's, game. It's so hard to watch. They hate, you know, NBA fans, real NBA, they hate James Harden's game. Because this is my description of it. And I know we're late for the break. We'll go to the break here and we'll talk John Morant on the other side here and Monty Williams too and keep the NBA conversation going. James Harden's game. Because I always say NBA players are just, they're, they're, they're superheroes, right? They're just super, they got, they're superhuman. So they all got little superpowers. Steph Curry is a supernova shooter. You know, LeBron James, probably your best. He's kind of the Superman of the NBA, best all around player in the NBA. Uh, you got the Greek freak, his length, right? He's got, always got these kind of freaky tools to their skill sets. And for James Harden, his superpower is super lame. And that's why they hate it. His superpower is basically kind of to, manipulate officiating. Yeah. Bomani Jones had a great description of it. He said, basically, James Harden's game is insurance fraud. That's, <laughs> that's it in a nutshell. And I, you know what? It's a great description. It, of, it is. is. And that's basically why people, they just hate his game. His game is just not go, aesthetically Go look pleasing. up a James Harden steals highlight package, and you will watch him, how he steals the ball in so many of these, is he literally puts his arms on his side <laughs> and slowly walks into a player. And the, the player, the ball comes loose. As soon as the ball comes loose, because he walked straight into him, like walked into his dribbling arm. It's as soon as the ball comes loose, he grabs the ball and runs down and starts to lay up. It's though. It is. It should be a foul, but technically because he's moving so slowly with his hands hey. down, it never gets called. And it's the worst. Like it's, a, it's, a it's everything that like if you had that, you would go, "Oh, my video game glitched." That's how James Harden actually plays basketball. No, and I totally agree. I, I I once compared him to only lame comic book people know this. There's a character in the uh, comic book Marvel world called Squirrel Girl, and her powers were basically superhuman strength in the gym. She was a squirrel. She had kind of advanced squirrel powers, and she was legit. She beat Deadpool and Thanos and Wolverine. She was like, amazing. And James Harden basically was that in his prime. But the, the reason the character never grew to a very popular Marvel character is because it's a lame character. Yeah. Squirrel Girl. That's James Harden. James Harden is a lame game. And I know y'all don't like it. At one point, it was really effective. It's not effective anymore. Now people are on to it. At one point, it was kind of revolutionary, yeah. actually. Well, and once you stop becoming a superstar, you, you lose some of those calls. That's the and, point. And they too. also changed the rule book for him. Which hey, is a sign of an elite player, exactly. but, but it's also a sign of, man, nobody wants to watch this. <laughs> nobody wants to watch it. Nobody wants it. I will uh, say, he does have a $35 million player uh, option this year. He falls in the category of Draymond Green and some others of most interesting player options this offseason, if they keep him or not, because the 76ers kind of need him, but also they 
Thirty-five is a lot mm. to pay for a guy who's not necessarily going to do a lot, and then he may go somewhere else. But who will he get thirty-five million anywhere else? It's all that's. Well, let's talk that H Town. They can go back to H Town. Pay him forty million? No, they should not. No, <laughs> I am against that. All right, we will come back. We'll talk more NBA. John Morant's uh, suspension. Also, uh, Monty Williams uh, was fired from the Phoenix Suns. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. One Everybody gather around and listen to my song. I've only got one We who are young Should now take a stand Don't run from the burdens Of women and men Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is uh, actually a Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. That's my man Patrick. Plays jams intended to soothe the tortured soul of sports fans who might have had a tough weekend. Uh, That was not the case for Texas baseball. It started out a little tough uh, with that loss in game one over the weekend. Uh, But, man, the Longhorn baseball team might have made history. I, I, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't actually done the research on it, but, man, it's going to be hard to find a two-game stretch or a Longhorn baseball team, and I'm sure it's out there because we're talking about a blue blood uh, baseball tradition, uh, where the Longhorns outscore their opponent uh, 40, this is 42 to 9 in a two-game stretch. That's unbelievable. 42 to 9. They were, now, they lost the game one 4 to 6 to San Jose State, but then outscored them 42 to 9. Yeah, they, they, seemed, they seemed unhappy about losing that first one. Yeah, that, that, part of old tem, old testament style butt whipping they put on. It, it actually uh, run ruled them, I believe, uh, in the third game too. They only went seven innings. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that means they they can keep that party going. Uh, they got a weekend series. Weekend, I think it starts Thursday. A series versus West Virginia. That's a huge series for them because I believe mathematically. They still have Big Twelve championship hopes alive mathematically. Yeah, I have to look. I, I know they did a, before they, they the weekend, but I didn't see. Yeah. I didn't see what everybody else did this weekend. I West Virginia was leading uh, believe, the Big Twelve. I believe well. they still are, but Texas would need. I, it's it's yeah. Trust me, I'm sure Craig Way can break it down in the Craig Way report. <laughs> You'll get it. Um, but yeah, so shout out to Texas baseball. Uh, that was a hell of a way to uh, come back. Uh, to kind of a rubber band performance by the Texas baseball team. Okay, let's get to uh, the NBA stories because, man, they just keep on coming. Even the ones the NBA would uh, rather um, suppress if they possibly could. Uh, John Morant, once again, uh, suspended. This time suspended for, uh, and this is by the team, by the way. Uh, just so he was he suspended by the team as a result of a video that was leaked. I don't know if it's leaked because it wasn't leaked because the actual person that took the video meant for it to get out his Instagram live. But the video did show John Morant briefly brandishing uh, a firearm and, you know, kind of showing a firearm. And because of that and his past incidents, um, he has been now suspended by the team from team activities. Remember, in March, he was suspended eight games after a video surfaced. Also on Instagram Live, man, he's doing Instagram Live a, a ton of free marketing, if you will. Uh, him flashing a gun in a Denver area club. After that incident, he spent some time away for the team. That's when he sought counseling. Uh, Morant admitted after the season his actions were part of the distractions that threw off the Grizzlies and saw them eliminated in the first round of the playoffs by the Lakers. 
Also, uh, the incident uh, when he was away for the team for eight games caused problems for the organization and was part of why Morant did not make an all-NBA team. That cost him a lot of straight cash, homie, upwards of $39 million because he was not eligible for a Supermax contract as a result of that. So it's costing him money, um, and I don't know about the endorsements. I'm sure that's another you know, sum of money they should probably going to end up missing because some teams may decide to, or sorry, some companies may decide to drop him. But either way, another suspension, and this one is just pending an investigation, I believe. Yeah, and I think this is they want to talk to him again and just go like, dude, what? Like, we went through this. You can't, you can't be doing these things. You are the face of this team. The NBA wants you to be one of the faces of the NBA. Yeah. And we can say it's a gun. It doesn't matter if it's a gun, if it's you pounding alcohol on a plane, whether it's you at, at, at nightclubs that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing with the women that you're doing them with. Whatever those things are, they're all legal. It's not we're talking about legalities. We're saying things that they do not want the stars of the league to be doing. What and is- you have in your contract, yes, certain certain wording that says basically you have to you cannot make us look stupid. And every time you do this, you make us look stupid. So that's why we have to have these conversations is because it's in your contract that you have to stop doing this. Uh, this is a question now because it is becoming a bit politicized because, you know, it's be- there's a Second Amendment kind of perspective here from yeah. uh, some folks who are saying he can, he can, you know, I show the firearm if he wants to as long as it's, as Patrick pointed out, it's all legal. Um, and I think that's where people may be missing um, kind of the point that Patrick just brought up about the NBA. I think this is more about the appearance of irresponsibility and their they his, his valuation as a player overall and their ability to market him as a player and market him in a PG-13 fashion. Yeah. They it, want him to be marketable to kids and they want parents to buy jerseys. John Morant jerseys for their kids and John Morant, John Morant does he have shoes? He has shoes yet? Got I'm shoes? sure he's got shoes. John Morant shoes for their kids and parents may not be willing to do that if he has a reputation for being kind of a miscreant. Yeah, and if he's not, you know, you don't have to be a role model in the NBA, but you're going to make a lot less money if you go down that road. Because if you say, I don't want to be a role model, I'm going to go do this, like, that's fine. Just don't expect to be endorsed. Just don't expect to have... Be the face of the NBA. Don't expect to get calls. Don't expect to get anything because you're going to be the pariah of the league if you actively try to step away from that. Is it uh, because this is some, you know, because people have talked about how, you know, showing guns on social media, if that is the, I don't know, kind of the the shell shock for some about this, that that happens all the time. It uh, it it happens in a more responsible fashion, of course. Yes. (laughs) Where people, you know, whether they're hunting or whether they're just showing off their guns, whatever. All right, we love, we have a gun-loving country. And that John Morant, that this standard that the NBA is trying to hold him to is, you know, obviously him as a, a citizen, he should be able to show his gun just like anybody else. Um, that is a political argument that's now coming up. So, like I said, it's it's now become politicized because he's it's happened so much. There have been so many incidents of him with a gun and on some social media video, and the NBA's had to intervene, or the teams had to intervene, yeah. that it has now been reiterated so much. Now there are talking points, <laughs> and people are taking sides on the John Moran thing, which but is this is but this wild. is but that's what it is. Is you can say whatever, <laughs> and he goes, "Look, the reality is they have told him if you do this, this is conduct we can consider detrimental to the league, unbecoming. It is a yeah. breach of your contract, and we don't want to cut you, but we can." And we can, and the NBA, ban you from the NBA for this because it is in your contract and in everyone's contract in the NBA. 
that you cannot have conduct detrimental to the league. So once we have told you that this is a thing, you now know you cannot do this anymore, and you continue to do it, that's where the problem lies. Again, whether that conduct, whatever it is, you just can't keep doing that. So I know because the guns is a political topic, it could be that. But it's the same as if he was shown, if he had a, if he had a Instagram Live over and over again where he's drinking straight from a bottle. And they go, hey, man, you can't be drinking like that. Like, not on Instagram. You can you can drink in your own private life and you can do whatever in your – but we can't have you constantly being thought of as yeah. an alcoholic. It's the appearance of irresponsibility. Yes. That is and so if we have that media. and it continues to happen, you can go, yeah, it's completely legal. He's not doing anything illegal. However – it is contract conduct that the NBA deems to be detrimental to the league. So they don't want it. You How have you? to stop doing that. And the biggest thing, I think, for the, the, for, the, uh, for the Grizzlies right now is they go, hey, man, you know how we did that whole sham counseling thing? That was all kind of just just to make it like just to get you back on the court as soon as possible, and we thought it was the only way we could make everybody believe that you were trying to be a different person and trying to you know understand and not just be a punk kid anymore. Well, you kind of throw that out the window when you do this. So now we have to extra over go over and pretend yeah. that we're going to. Now make you have to thing. actually go to therapy, and we must track it. Yes, because we, need, now we, we need tried to. to we tried to give you the easy way out. Yeah. Of hey, let's do this. You go have a few meetings. You figure out a few things. It's fine. You come back. It's just a few days of that. You come back, and we'll just sweep it all under the rug. We get it. You're you're a young guy. You got a lot of money. You have a lot of friends. Go do it. You do it. Do it. Do it on. But you just don't do it online. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't understand why it keeps going online. And I know everybody lives their life online these days. I get it. I get it. I, it happens all the time. But man, if he just if he wasn't such a social media like uh, basically uh, 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 addict, I mean, he's, he's all yeah. he, He's always around it or near it, and it's like you can do all the stuff you're doing. Just stop being like, near a camera and at, stop putting it on camera. Stop being on camera with it. Like, like the stories about more Derek, discreet about it. The stories about <laughs> Derek Jeter. There's epic stories about his parties and, and his oh. his sex life and everything else of Derek Jeter. It's also notorious that you couldn't have a phone in his house because he didn't want any social media getting out. It was epic that he would make people sign NDAs. All of that, all of that's well documented. That that everyone will tell you, hey, this is the way he was. They like there was a story that a surgeon showed up at his house, and he's like, "Well, I'm on call," and he's like, "Well, go home." <laughs> yeah, so you ain't coming he, in with your phone. Yeah, you coming in with your phone. And I don't know how this keeps ending up. I think he that's got to be one of the first rules of the therapy. It's like, all right, you know what? Can we just take a break from you being near social media cameras? Everything yeah. is set up by a publicist, public relations people. We can do that. Marketing, we can do that. But let's just stay away from social media. Can your friends and your social? Can we do that for a while? Can we just be a little bit more discreet about that kind of stuff? And, and in and, reality, too, like you have to understand, there's a part of this too where you're kind of looking out for him and going, I, I get you don't think where this can head, but even if you go, hey man, I'm gonna keep doing this, keep doing this. Now other people are going to be trying to expose you because they want to get money from TMZ or whatever else. So you're going to be around, and if you're out, people are going to be trying to agitate you to get a pull, to have you pull a gun on them or something. And then someone may get shot because someone's trying to get you on TMZ because they're an idiot and, you're, and you got guns and your people got guns and everything's happening because you portray this image that this is what you want to be. And there are certain people in this world that have a lot less to lose than you do. Uh, no, no, it's like I said, it's an interesting conversation. I would like to know um, about his 
like his re- responsible gun ownership if he actually has hey, taken. He at, least, he at least didn't have his finger on the trigger on this one. No, I know. So I'm saying like so. So I mean, he's that was apparently the therapy was. Hey, dude, just finger not on the trigger. Come on, <laughs> simple rule number one. I would, finger like, off the trigger. I would love to know about his firearm education and how deep it's gone. Like yeah. it does, and you know, does he actually go? To, you know, to 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 test the weapon. Like, does he? Now, are we just talking about somebody who just likes to show it off? Or are we talking about somebody who's actually a firearm enthusiast? Yeah, you know I, I mean, because I have friends that are firearm enthusiasts. Oh, I've I, gone shooting. Well, you live with in them. Texas, and you know what? They have gun safes. <laughs> you live in Texas, Patrick. Yeah, no, they have gun 80% safes. Eighty percent of the people you know are firearm. No, <laughs> no, I'm saying the people that I that are like, hey, Patty, you want to go shoot guns this weekend? Oh and, yeah, exactly. And you're like, hey, we go to the range, and they have they have them and in they, their cases, and they, they have do everything. it very responsibly. And they're right? like, hey, and then Patrick, hey, make sure. And then if you put your yeah. finger near the the trigger, they're like, whoa, whoa. hey, <laughs> bro, don't hey, don't point it down, you know. So I'm used to that because yeah. that's how everyone I know does it. And so when you have the other stuff, you're like, I was taught this is like expressly not the way to do he, this. He should do a 60 minutes with a per- and they need to go to a gun range. And so everybody needs to know that John Morant knows how to handle a firearm responsibly. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And it the does. whole piece is about him. He, he can break it down. He can take the gun apart, clean it. all the, So we can know like, no, no, he actually knows how yeah. to operate a firearm responsibly. He's not just buying a firearm so he can show it off in Instagram <laughs> live videos. No, no, he's an enthusiast. He cares about, you know, gun rights yeah. and he cares about people being responsible with gun ownership, all that kind of stuff. Because it's just the, the, the perception is, he just he just got has a gun on him and he's being ir- irresponsible about yeah. the way he uses and brandishes the firearm. Yeah, I I do really want a video of like that, but I just want it when he shoots it the first time. Like, wow, that's loud! You're like, you never shot one? <laughs> <laughs> or, or he like he like drops out of his hand or something? Ooh. The recoil throws yeah. it back or something? Yeah, that would be hilarious. But I don't know because you're right. That's the perception. Perception is he's irresponsible with firearms. And basically, all we've seen is videos of him with a firearm. We don't yeah. know he's irresponsible. We just, that's the conclusion that we jump to. And he's, his, his public relations people need to come out there and go, no, no, he's an enthusiast. Oh, no, he goes to the range all the time. Yeah. And- they were just going to the range at night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. That's a, okay, so we'll get to the Money Williams story a little bit later on. We got the flex on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Smooth Soul Monday intended to uh, soothe the tortured soul of sports fans who may have had a tough weekend. Uh, not a tough weekend, maybe a tough start to the weekend for Texas baseball, but they win the series over San Jose State. Had a texter here said, uh, from what they know about the breakdown, Texas has to sweep West Virginia, that series, Texas baseball, series starting Thursday. They need Oklahoma State to drop two or more to Oklahoma. That's the uh, help yes. they need to. Try I believe to we're yeah we're three thing. games behind West Virginia right now, so okay, so. we have to we have to sweep that series again. You gotta clean. You gotta mow your own lawn before you complain about the neighbors, right? <laughs> so we got you got to sweep West Virginia before anything matters, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a great point. We don't need to worry about what Oklahoma uh, State's doing or Oklahoma doing until we take care of business. So you got to break yeah. out the Bruins versus West Virginia. That series will start on Thursday, uh, but the Longhorns did outscore San Jose, I think forty-two to nine, if I'm not mistaken, over the last two. Uh, games of that series, so 
Uh, phenomenal run. All right, uh, go check out FLXATX.com, FLXATX on all of your social media platforms. Uh, they got some great stuff up there for you. Hey, they also have the tournament schedule for 7 on 7 that's starting up, actually starting up, I believe, uh, next week is starting up. Um, so 7 on 7 uh, tournament schedule stuff is up there for you, too. So that's pretty cool. Uh, that actually uh, was something that we got a chance to uh, participate in. Was it last? Yeah, last season of seven on seven, and it was really cool to get a chance to get some eyes on all those really good prospects. So I think May twentieth is the actual date of the start of the seven on seven qualifying tournament. We'll be giving you some details about that as uh, time goes on, but those details are at flxatx.com. All right, we come back. We'll get into some uh, NFL news, notes, and nuggets. Dan Quinn clarifying the, uh, Michael Parsons' comments, and Cowboys should consider this running back on the trade market. We'll get to all of those stories and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 Horn.